slave. The strong know this. They do what must be done and think nothing of the consequences. And so they survive. Free. Agree or disagree. Discuss. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode, a Forever Night episode. Forever Night Season 2, Episode 19, Curiouser and Curiouser. I've seen bits and pieces of this one, and Rachel has mentioned it a few times recently. Yeah. Because she's so excited to talk about it. So excited. This is my favorite episode. This is my favorite episode. This is an audacious episode. Yeah. This is... um. An episode that benefits from repeat viewing in a time when repeat viewing wasn't really possible, which makes me think, oh, I just love how audacious they were that people were going to get it the first go round. Because there's a lot happening here um, visually. It's very multi-layered. I a lot to, of clues and things. I meant to look up who directed this one. Oh, John Kassar. All right. I thought maybe Garrett directed this one. All right. Because it feels very um, theatrical. Yes. Because yes, there's a lot of um, meaningful costumes and set choices that and are props. happening yeah, around what's going on. And I think that's why I love it so much, because this episode feels very thoughtful. It feels like we really put a lot of work into a lot of small but meaningful details. It isn't just like, what if, what if Nick has to chase a guy with a flamethrower through some tunnels and get really upset about it? It's like real creative. Yeah, that one. Okay, well, that's not, you know, maybe they were spending all of their time writing this episode. Let's just call it that. And it's a very, it's an outlier from the rest of the series. We're not going to mm -hmm. get another episode like this. And Nick gets to do some shadow work. He yes, this to, is Nick's shadow work yeah, episode. Everything to, that he's repressing within himself from exploring in reality yeah like a relationship with natalie a family life yeah uh skanky being the dominant partner yeah uh he he practices what that would actually be like yeah to help integrate it uh being free of lacroix like making oh, yeah. the decision actually to be free of taking care of lacroix yeah that's something that he's well, he did really try. It just didn't <laughs> It didn't work. stick. Yeah. yeah. Um, in real life, he tried. Yeah. And also in his fantasy life, he tried. And he also gets to explain everything to Cohen. He gets to be completely open with his captain about who he is and about what's going on in his life. And it's a really fascinating exploration of these characters. And it tells the viewer that they are not taking for granted all of the things that Nick is not doing, like all of the things that Nick is deliberately choosing to like obfuscate in his own life, that they are aware of it. And I really appreciate the writers for like going this deep yeah, in a consistent way into Nick's character. Yeah. Yeah. We could, it could have been another throwaway episode. Right. Yeah. It definitely could. It, We've had it, a couple of those in a row. We could have we, had another one. There are there are shows that have like the oh it was all just a dream episode and it's literally all nonsense and doesn't add to the story. But this is the oh it was just a dream episode but it like enormously expands on Nick's character. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think if we had continued in the vein of like Fire Inside and Amateur Night, it would feel very much like, oh, look, another episode where Nick does like a small amount of vampire shit. And we get like a, whoa, is he going to get found out? And then he doesn't. And then we move on to the next episode and he does a small amount of vampire shit. And we go, oh, no, is he going to get found out? And then it starts vampire to be like. Vampire shenanigans of the week. Yeah, the yeah, not monster of the week because Nick is the monster of the week. But yeah, vampire shenanigans of the week. And so I think they were like, all right, whoop, whoop. We need a fresh fall of snow. We need a uh, we need a, clen- a palate cleanser episode. Why don't we just really, really fucking go for it and do like a really wild episode. And you can tell everybody had a really good oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Especially this Catherine Disher. Yeah, Catherine Disher. I and, think she... And the the actress who plays Cohen. Oh, yeah. On the phone again. Looking up Cohen. While we're recording. I'm looking up the actress who plays Cohen. I want to make sure I... Natsuko Ohama. Natsuko Ohama. Who plays um, Co- uh, Cohen. We joke that she has like her sphere of influence and then she can sometimes with a pass get taken out of the, yeah. of the office. But this she actually gets to like she gets to be fancy. She gets to be fancy. She gets to visit the Raven set twice. She Once, gets to wear a risque dress. Yeah, very tight. She is having a hard time breathing. Like yeah. if you watch her, she's like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's not done up in the back. Because they show her from the side at one point and it's sticking out kind of oddly in the back yeah. and her arms like pinned to her side i'm pretty sure she's holding this dress up but you know what respect it looks really good on her yeah she pulls it off yeah so we open it's interesting because the opening is actually a mirror of this whole episode really is kind of a mirror of the dark knight episode because at the very beginning of dark knight he's walking into the raven and the raven is packed and he's like zigzagging his way through the raven and at the very beginning of this one, the same thing is happening, including he gets snarled at and he takes a minute to take his sunglasses off. Don't you recognize me? Well, he takes his sunglasses off and in Dark Knight, he goes, word to the wise, immortality is no excuse not to floss. <laughs> and then in this one, he takes his sunglasses off and he just makes that. like a mm, face. Yeah. Um, what if he wasn't a vampire? Are they allowed to do that? Are they allowed to snarl at each other like that? Maybe she did know he was a vampire. I don't know. Do they smell weird? Was just being like man. I mean, she may have recognized him. He's, ah, yeah, he's, he's a regular own. here. That's that's true. That's true. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> I've been waiting for this all week. <laughs> when Natalie <laughs> says that, I was like, hey. All right, so he, you know, makes his way through, which is just kind of a cute scene. He's got some sunglasses. He's got a little sunglasses on. He's being a little sassy, and he walks up to Jeanette. And Jeanette's lighting matches and blowing them out. And as we know, fire bad. So he's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, living on the edge. And she's back in her red velvet dress. Mm-hmm. The like full length red velvet dress that she wears. And at first he's like, oh, you know, I just needed a little shelter from he's the like, store. He's like unloading about work. Right, and she is, her face is like, I could not give less of a shit about what you're struggling with <laughs> at your stupid little human day job. I love her fake sympathy face. Her yeah. like, oh, oh, no. Is it hard being a cop this week? Oh, no, Nicholas. Because she's like, uh, you haven't been here in forever. I was starting to think you'd forgotten all about me. And he's like, oh, no, I haven't forgotten about you. You know, I just. Like, I, I need some shelter from the storm. And she's. And she's like, And then her oh. expression changes. Oh, now you have my attention. Yeah, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Because she's like, oh, tell me about it. Are you having a stressful week? Do you need to 
relax? And she's like, if rest and relaxation is something you require, I can think of a few things. And they're like making out at the bar mm-hmm. when the bad guys show up. And it's a guy in a walrus ha- in a walrus mask yep. and a guy in a cat mask. And costumes are super important in this episode. We actually have a couple of other weird costumes going on in the background. Like there's a guy with a nun habit on. Did you catch that? I did not. And there's another guy with, um, he looks like Aladdin. I don't know if he's supposed to or not, but he has on like harem pants and like a turban. And then there's a guy with like a crazy jacket and we show him a couple of times, like Mad Hatter-ish crazy jacket. Mm -hmm. I think it's supposed to be subtle references to other characters from what Alice in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass. Oh, I just realized Through the Looking Glass is like a mirror reference. We have a lot of mirror imagery with vampires. That would be something else that would be interesting to talk about, which because we do get a point where he's looking in a mirror. And, and LaCroix is in the mirror. Yeah, it allows with him. him to see LaCroix. But these bad guys are, I mean, they run in, they have guns. There's a lot of threatening language. They try to take somebody's ring, and Nick is like, no, not on my watch. He's like, no. And they look over and they try to shoot him because he's being like, he's provoking them. Yeah. And instead of shooting him, they shoot they a miss. woman. Yeah. Yeah. They shoot a human. Uh-oh, Nick's actions had consequences. Ultimately, he saves everybody in the bar except this woman. Right. Obviously, these people were willing to just shoot whoever they needed to shoot. Right. There's to, there's to literally no telling what carnage would have ensued had he not stopped them. Yeah. But he doesn't see it that way. Right. He's like, oh, no, I got somebody killed. It doesn't help that she's like, help me. I'm so cold. <laughs> help me like i mean i get it she's dying she's feeling like oh no like somebody help me make this stop or whatever but nick is just like holding her while she's like oh i'm getting so cold (laughs) nick is like oh my god this happened this happened because of me and then we get one line which is just this is not your fault nicola this is not your fault from jeanette and then bottom we go straight into the intro oh but before we go too far Oh, hi, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the... Oh, God. <laughs> and this is... Come in, 81 Kilo. I pushed the wrong button. You pushed the button on your side. <laughs> Come in, 81 Kilo. Forever Night podcast. Thank you, honey. <laughs> we already talked about how I don't feel like I need to be the best at that last episode. We'll just leave it. All right. And then we get some more kind of real life. We don't transition into his shadow space for a while because we get Cohen at the Raven and she's like, 
the shooters were on probation. Um, uh, of course they were. For violent offenses. For violent offenses. But I guess at least pff, they hadn't killed anybody. She's just being sarcastic. Like, I can't believe these people were being allowed to walk around knowing they were capable of this kind of stuff. But they just hadn't done it yet. And we get Natalie. And literally everybody is involved in reassuring Nick that this isn't his fault. She's like, Nick, you did the right thing. Like, you couldn't expose yourself to all of these people. That would have given them even more, you know, that, that would have been even a bigger problem than what actually happened. And you tried. You tried hypnotizing the guy, and it didn't work. Like, it doesn't work on everybody. It didn't work on me. Like, we don't know what's happening. Like, you just got to calm down. This is not your fault. And then he just, like, Whoa, turns and walks away. And Jeanette is like, let him brood. It is his way. It is his way. It has always <laughs> been his way. Jeanette's like, just let him do it. It's fucking fine. He'll get over it in a little bit. Or he'll internalize it like like a cancer. And then we'll all be able to move on. And Luckily, you- vampires are... Yeah, immune to cancer. So Yeah, um, but not immune to guilt, it turns out. Even Skanky tries. Skanky walks up and Cohen's like, you know, he did the right thing. I doubt anybody's gonna think of this as like a bad thing, but Nick does, and he's he's being all pouty about it. And Skanky's like, oh, I've been here with him before. Let me see if I could talk to him about it. And he comes over and he's like, Hey buddy, how's it going? He's like, Well, a lot happened today, huh? You feeling okay? And Nick's like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> he's he's like, just, thanks for the pep talk, Skanky. Pep talk, Skanky. And but I'm not he's not ready to be cheered up. He wants to wallow for he a little while. He needs to process. Yeah. So he goes back to his house and he gets a glass and he's sitting down. Yeah, we can tell he's really having emotions because he's drinking from a glass instead of straight from the bottle. <laughs> he takes the time to pour one out. He sits on the chair. And we get a little bit of flashback, which this flashback is really foreshortened. We don't get a ton of flashback. I think because we're getting those weird flashes of LaCroix. Yeah. As LaCroix. Yeah, that's kind of our disassociation reference. Right. Like insight extra information yeah 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 so he gets a we get a small flashback of him just like sitting on the stairs with this woman that he's clearly just killed and then when he comes back it's because somebody's banging on the elevator door so he sets down his glass but now his glass isn't red it's white it's like a white wine Mm -hmm. instead of his usual blood red not wine, blood <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, his Ribena uh, is what it is. But it's yeah. instead of it being red, it's white. And so he gets up and he opens the door. And when Skanky like barges in, now Skanky is wearing a three-piece suit. Right. It turns out Dominant Skanky is also fucking fancy Skanky. <laughs> he is wearing a banging suit. Yeah. He has some, everybody has great costumes in this episode. And he looks so cute in his little three-piece suit. I was like, why don't we give him that more often? I think because he's supposed to look like a working man who's trying really yeah. hard. But in the end of the day, he's just, he would rather be bowling. I think that's the yeah. vibe we're usually going for. And this is like, I'm high powered. I'm on my way up, Skanky. Yeah. And in regard to costumes, I would say this whole like over dramatic reaction to this event on Nick's part is symbolically represented by his like super vest. And his vest has too many buttons. Yes. 
And so he's symbolically, he's holding everything in too tightly. He needs to <laughs> open some buttons and release. I would say that if he didn't normally wear all the buttons buttoned. Well, but this one is the vest goes all the way up to his neckline. Yeah, it's very corset-like. Yeah. Yeah, he's, it's a very, I don't even know what this style of vest is called, but it's like real, there's like lots of tiny little buttons. Um, yeah, maybe. I think that's a, yeah, that, okay, we'll go with it. It's fine. Everything else in this episode is symbolic, so fuck it. Why is the vest not symbolic? Um, I just think this is the skanky we would have gotten if maybe if, I don't know, like, Season one skanky feels like he could have grown into this skanky. But the season two skanky. Definitely the pilot movie skanky. Yeah. Yeah, because he's much more like, um, fuck it's, my partner, I'm here for the career. similar personality to the pilot movie skanky. Yeah. Just fancier outfit. This is non-bro skanky. This is, I'm here yeah. for the career, I'm not here for the partner yep. skanky. I'm, I'm, I'm only here for my advancement. And so Nick goes over and gets his coat, and this is our second indication that something hinky is going on. Or third. We got the we white wine. White then we wine, got the skanky. Skanky, skanky I don't think it's immediately obvious that skanky is, um, maybe only because of the three-piece suit. Yeah. Yeah. That was a third, I guess. He pulls his jacket off of the coat rack, and underneath of it is a child's jacket. Like a super 90s windbreaker. Baby jacket. I think I have this jacket. <laughs> like a grown-up version of it. <laughs> and then he puts on his jacket and we kind of pan away. And there on his piano is a toy caterpillar. Like yeah. a really weird toy caterpillar. I don't... This feels like a... I don't know. It's a squeaky toy, apparently. Because at one point we hear like... But we don't ever squeak it on camera. So it must just be like a a, a plaster prop. Like yeah. A, yeah. Um, they're going because Skanky's like, hey, we found a homicide. You had your phone turned off. What the fuck, man? Come on, let's go. We got to go investigate this. So they leave. They hop in the car. And it turns out that the homicide is LaCroix. <gasps> at somebody, the radio station. Yeah, somebody killed him. <laughs> LaCroix at the radio station with the weird cane knife thing. <laughs> that yeah. Like clue, you know. Um, yeah, LaCroix is dead. And Nick is like. He's dead. And they're what? like, yeah, What's he got stabbed on? in the heart with a metal knife. And he's like, LaCroix got stabbed in the heart with a metal knife and now he's dead? Hold on. Something oh. does not compute. Uh, What? This is Nick's first clue because he hasn't noticed any of the other clues. Right. This is his first like, um, hang on. Something here is not right. And Skanky's like, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Were you like his biggest fan or whatever? Are you going to say something real creepy at his funeral? Your favorite all-night boogeyman, the Nightcrawler, stabbed in the heart. No witnesses, no sign of a weapon. I guess you could say he crawled under one too many skins. Oh, I forgot. Uh, you were one of his biggest fans, weren't you? Maybe you can say a few um, creepy words at the funeral. Where's Natalie? Yeah. <laughs> and Nick is like, what? Like, what the fuck, Skanky? <laughs> Where's yeah, skanky Natalie? Skanky is giving off a lot of vibes like in the episode with the vampire book author when they're each taking turns reading the book and reenacting the scenes in their head. Yeah. And <laughs> when Skanky is like the Loqua character. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the character's name. Uh, and he's just over dramatically acting 
like Lacroix. I don't think he has an analog in. Um, yeah, it was a it was another L name in the book. In Alice in Wonderland. Oh no no no! Not in Alice in Wonderland. I, I'm just I'm referencing the way that Skanky acted when he was portraying the Lacroix character in the vampire author's book. Oh in the yes, other episode, yes, in Stranger Than Fiction, where he's yes. you know, LaSalle. Ram LaSalle. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he's giving off a lot of LaSalle vibes and just rambling philosophically. Yeah. And and being, you know, the kind of asshole like alpha male partner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's definitely being the toxic male partner. Yeah. For sure. And I just think I don't know, I just love that we get this chance to explore like what if Skanky, you know, what would have happened if Nick got partnered with someone who didn't put up with his bullshit? He would seem a little ridiculous. And I think we get a like a good window into that because he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He was your friend. <laughs> like the fact that Skanky does not judge Nick for all of the weird shit <laughs> weird that Nick connections does that he has. is like he's such a bro. And now we get to see what happens if Skanky's not a bro. If he's like, oh, you like the kinky weird dude. Oh, okay. Oh, great. and you you keep hanging out at the weird kinky rave club. Bar? Yeah, club. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Whatever. Uh, but at the crime scene, Nick is like, "Where's Natalie?" And Skanky goes, "Oh, are we on a first name basis now?" Hmm. And Nick is like, "What? What?" And Skanky's like, "Oh, she's been and gone anyway." And then he says, "Like, if you ask me, this guy got what he deserved." He made Howard Stern look like Regis Philbin, <laughs> which is the most 90s set of references maybe possible, right? Yeah. yeah. Howard yeah. Stern and Regis Philbin. And then Nick kind of goes on a quest because he is unsettled. He is, this is a horror experience for him. He has become unsettled in what he feels is real life. He's disconnected from his world. So he's trying to ground himself. He goes to the Raven to try to find Jeanette. As, as usual. Jeanette? Jeanette? And it's empty. Like, he, he has two women in his life who ground him, and it's Jeanette and Natalie. And he tries to go see Jeanette, and she's not there. And then he goes to the morgue, and Natalie's not there. But LaCroix's body is. And so he's like, wake up, LaCroix. So he's shaking LaCroix. <laughs> I know. And LaCroix's like, mm, no, thank you. Because he's dead. I mean, he's yeah. dead. This is his like shadow This is realm. a dead body. Right. Yeah. And then we get another flashback. And this is where we get kind of our like, somebody in the first act must state the theme. Mm -hmm. Because Nick is like, you know, that was fine. I'm not like mad about the blood or anything, but I feel this like feeling. There's this Oh yeah, in thing. the flashback. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that, what, what do I call it? If I could put a name to it, I would call it, oh, um, and LaCroix's like, guilt. You're feeling guilty. And he said, you know, the, you know, the last embers of your mortal conscience take a little while to flare out. And, and you gotta die. You gotta make sure you let them die. Like they're dying. They should, you should let them die. Don't hold on to that. Or there will be consequences. And Nick is like, well, what consequences? And he's like, you don't have to worry about those. You're as gonna... long as you do what I say. Yeah, you're going to do exactly what I say, right? You're always going to listen to me and heed my advice. And we're going to be best bros forever. And as long as that happens, you're going to be fine. Because it turns out this is within the first week of him turning into a vampire. So LaCroix still has hope. <laughs> like, we're going <laughs> to be 
best friends forever. And Nick is like, hell yeah, we're going to be best friends forever. Yeah. Except that I just kind of, I don't know, I don't really feel great about this. And LaCroix is like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That'll go. That'll go. That'll disappear. And then he tries to call the raven again. He goes from the morgue to the precinct and he calls the raven and it just rings and rings because he's like, please, dear Lord, somebody tell me what's going on. I'm an elected official. I can't make these kinds of decisions for myself. He's like, I can't put this together. I need someone to explain to me what's happening. And it needs to be one of the women in my life. And the, they are all confined to their areas of influence, like the raven and the morgue and the um, the precinct. And I'm, I've been to all three of these locations and I have run into no one. So he tries calling the raven and it doesn't work. It works, but she's not there. And then Skanky shows up and he's like, oh, you're at work. Well, that's new. How about that? How about that? And this is when Natalie walks in and she's got on her like power suit. And she's like, hi, Skanky, give me a briefing. And so Skanky's like, oh, you know, we found the guy at the... And Nick Nick is just hanging back, like mystified. Like Skanky normally does. Yeah. Yeah. Because Skanky's like, yeah, you know, we found the guy at the radio station. There was metal fibers in his wound. So we know he was killed by a knife. And, you know, I've got a bunch of people working on all these things. And and, um, Natalie is like, good job, Skanky. As As usual. usual. As usual. And Nick's like, oh, hello. And she doesn't even say hi to Nick. I know. I know. He, But he walks up to her and he's like, Natalie, we need to talk. And she's like, not here, Nick. Call me at home. <laughs> he's like, what? What? But did you know that you saw them? The bunnies in the background? Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. rabbits in the background. That's, of course, it's another like subtle costume Alice reference. In Alice reference. in Wonderland reference. Yeah. yeah. And then they're driving because they're out investigating the case. Because Nick is like, I think we should go to the Raven. I think we should go to the Raven and ask around at the Raven. And Skanky's like, the fuck? What do you think the Raven has to do with this? And he's like, well, Jeanette will know what's happening. And he's like, Jeanette, huh? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, sure. Sure, Nick. We'll give this a shot. Your cute little idea. But Skanky drives. Yep. And we're driving Skanky's car. Yeah. For once. And Nick is just riding and he turns on the radio and LaCroix on the radio, even though he died. And then we get our first LaCroix hallucination where we get Nigel Bennett from like right above his head. So we're getting this cool foreshortened image. Mm -hmm. And then to really like add to the image, he has this itty bitty little coffee cup. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the world's tiniest coffee cup. And he has this microphone like right above his head. And this is the one where he's like, um, is there, if there is a God, must it be sane? And we ask ourselves, if there is a God, how can this happen? Better to ask, if there is a God, must it be sane? I love that line. I think about that line a lot. Like, who says God has to be good to you? Who says God has to be, like, well-adjusted? So we get to the Raven, and there's people here now. Like, it's open. It's crowded again. And Skanky's like, what is this? Some kind of kinky wake? Like, they're back already? No, they're back to it already. In this reality, there was still just a shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The shooting still happens in both worlds. 
And Cohen is so fancy. She gets like a fancy hairstyle. She gets fancy earrings. She gets a really cool like chunky necklace. She gets her little very low cut velvet dress. Mm -hmm. In fact, for most of the scenes, you can't see the dress. (laughs) It's like below the level of the shot. So um, she looks pretty topless, actually. And she's got quite a bit of decolletage when we finally do see it. She gets to look fancy. I'm so happy for this actress because she only gets to wear power suits and her little bob. And that's it. Yeah. And Nick walks up and he's like, where's LaCroix? She's like, LaCroix? Huh? What? I don't know LaCroix. So then he, like, "Mm, she's Mm. hiding things from me. Well, she looks like she's hiding something. She's like, hmm, LaCroix? I don't know LaCroix. (laughs) That's so weird. And he ends up hypnotizing her, which I do like. This is one of the few times he uses his, he only uses like two vampire powers in this shadow space. He hypnotizes her right now and he uses his like super hearing when we're listening to the tape yeah but we don't ever really show if he's a vampire during this or not we don't get the eyes we don't get the fangs we don't know if when he's in this space he is still a vampire and i think or is he a man i think it lends to the like what is real is he really just hallucinating every other episode? Is he hallucinating the fact that he's a vampire? Or is this the hallucination? Which I love that they leave us suspended in that. Of course, we know he's really the vampire. But it's fun for just a little while to be like, I don't know, maybe he's just a really crazy dude. Right. And he has created this world where he is this like powerful creature that gave up its humanity because he can't deal with the fact that he gave up his own humanity in real life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and Jeanette eventually kind of articulates that. Yeah. That the thing that he's kind of suffering over is he feels like he's lost his humanity, his spark of life. Yeah. His vitality. Yeah. Yeah, but he does end up kind of hypnotizing Cohen here. And she he's like, why are there no vampires in the club? And she's like, "Um, because there's no such thing as vampires. And within the realm of this shadow space, yeah, you could say, like, in retrospect, we know that Cohen, as the owner of the Raven, knows about his whole, like, vampire delusion. And with respect to the... um the hypnosis she could just be playing along because she knows that he's like falling back in and it's probably safer to just play along a little bit rather than like immediately call him out on his delusion right because he's he's not far enough along in the delusion to to kind of get some perspective on it and get and back out right and so Maybe, maybe he's like, you know, he he's told her uh, about the last time he had this delusion, and maybe she's like, oh, oh shit, he's doing this again. Yeah, and she's like, I remember the name no Lacroix from the last time he was yeah. telling me about this. Yeah, I gotta, I got like, if he's asking about Lacroix, I gotta be like, no, no I don't know who that is. No, but then he's no. pushing. Oh crap, he's yeah, he's in there again. Because she wraps this up by going. Are you having a relapse? Yeah. He's like, uh, a relapse? And she's like, yeah, is this like the last time? 
And everybody keeps asking him, is this like the last time? But no one until like 40 minutes into the episode tells him what, quote, the last time is. Right. And he's like, oh, um, I, I need to go. And so he runs back home because it's a safe space. He goes back to his safe space. He he's, runs home. Yeah. Yeah. And he opens the door and he walks in and he's like, uh, what? Because the toy is there. He steps on the toy and he picks yep. it up, the caterpillar. And he's like, uh, what is that? So he sets it down on his blue tile countertop. And then he goes to the fridge because he needs a drink. Yeah, but there's magnets, like alphabet magnets all over the refrigerator. And when he opens it, there's like a cake and a bottle of juice and a whole bunch of baby food. And he's like, what the shit? And then we hear Jeanette. And Jeanette is like walking across his little balcony. And she's like, oh, are you finally home? Housewife Jeanette. Housewife Jeanette. Oh, my God. Jeanette in mom mode is what I put in my nose. Because <laughs> she's got like wild hair. She's clearly just woken up. She comes down the stairs and she's like, where have you been? And he's like, out. I don't know. What, what the fuck are you doing here? And then the baby starts crying and she's like, great. I just got it down. And now I got to go put him back down again. And this is where we get like the couch conversation. Which I think I've referenced the, this before when we talk about every once in a while. You can tell that Garrett Wynn Davies is a theater actor. Yeah. And this is very much where we can tell he is a theater actor because he's sitting on this couch and Jeanette is kind of walking back and forth behind him complaining about like, you don't bring home enough money. We owe two months of rent. We live in a fucking bachelor pad and I have a child. It doesn't have its own room because there's only one room in this stupid apartment and we have bills and I haven't paid the bills and you're never here and I don't have anything to feed it and I don't have anything to feed myself because she says, you know, there's meatloaf in the fridge if you want any. And he's like, uh, no, thanks. I don't eat meatloaf. And she's like, well, I'm fucking sorry, but it's the best I can do. You don't bring home enough money for me to make you anything better. Like maybe if you were a good husband and a good dad, I could have a good life instead of whatever the fuck this is. And so she's just walking back and forth, just like, but unloading. the whole time he's sitting on the couch facing the camera, right? He's facing the camera. And for someone who's doing a TV show, we don't need to make any grand emotional gestures here. He could do this with facial expressions, but he's acting for the people in the back. You got to move your whole body. It's like when you see like Power Rangers and to know who's talking, they like whip their head around yeah. or move their arms or whatever. So you can tell who's talking. That's what he's doing. He's like sitting up and like lowering himself. He flops his arms up and down. He kind of makes like really exaggerated facial expressions like you would on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. But poor Jeanette, because he finally gets up. Because he's finally like, okay, all right, I got to do some damage control here. I don't know what's happening, but Jeanette's upset. And like, even though I don't really know what the fuck's going on, I feel the need to at least mildly comfort her. So he gets up and walks around the couch and they do like the forearm grab. Like she grabs his elbow and he grabs her elbow. And then we do the pan around camera like we did at the end of the one where they finally made out. Except in this one, they're having like a, a heart to heart because he's like, Jeanette, LaCroix is dead. Our, Our master is dead. dead. And she's like, oh, no, not this again. And he's like, again, what? And she's like, not the vampire nonsense again. Is this going to be like last time? And he's like, last time? What happened last time? And this is when the baby wakes up and she's like, I got to go. I got to go put the baby back down. Like you woke him up. I can't. We had to spend like four months with our daughter in a place where we only had one room and we were all in one room. It's stressful. 
I can I feel for Jeanette because she's just like, well, fucking great. Now I got to go put the baby down again. And he's like, cool, I'm going to leave you to that. I got to go. And she's like, are you going to walk out on me right now? We are in the middle of a tiff and you're going to run out. And he's like, I got things I got to take care of. Where are you going? Out. I guess. Out. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck? You're leaving me here with a crying baby after I just told you I am deeply unhappy with my life. And he's like, mm, looks like it. And he just leaves. Ye- um, are we going to talk about how maybe Nick is a bad boyfriend? Nope. Okay. Because <laughs> we had the one episode where he indicated that he wanted to have children. That was Father's Day. And every time he's given the opportunity to interact with children, he is really fucking bad at it. I mean, Father's Day, look how that ended. He almost got her killed because he was like, my house is a fortress. (laughs) (laughs) And it clearly is not. And then instead of trying to figure out what was happening, he spent time bottling his blood instead of like working to keep this little girl safe. And in this moment when he's confronted with, Jeanette's clearly stressed. She needs him to tag in and go put this baby down. He's like, yeah, hard pass. I've just got to go. I'll see y'all later. So he leaves and he goes to the precinct. Because Skanky is working with the sound technician to go through LaCroix's last tape. So they can kind of maybe get a clue of who killed him. Because the killer called into the show. A la dead air. And I love this moment because Skanky mocks LaCroix's voice. We get LaCroix's whole monologue where he's like, guilt. <laughs> and the, our collective sins and so skanky's like oh yeah laquan his guilt and he yeah. does like he mocks his voice is that from tonight the topic on the night in question was guilt collective sins or some crap like that that leads to madness for there is a madness in the world born of guilt not case this is the second time that um, John Kapalos has gotten the chance to um, like imitate Nigel Bennett. And yeah. the first one is like a joke because it's in Stranger Than Fiction. And yeah. this one is like mocking. And both times, stellar. You know, John, oh, yeah. John had an amazing time filming this episode because he got to be the like dick swinging alpha male the entire episode. We're like, oh, everybody else is an idiot but me. But the... The moral of this last episode that LaCroix produced is basically like guilt is for the weak. Strong, the strong know how to just let it go. They know how to do what needs to be done and then they let it go. And that's why they survive. Freedom. Yeah. That's why they're free. Because but they don't need to think about this. They're free from having to adapt. Right. Because the only way you adapt adapt is by knowing that you have to change and the only way you know you have to change is by paying attention to what you're not doing right and acknowledging it by feeling like you did something wrong. by feeling like you did something wrong and lacroix is saying oh to be strong you have to never consciously acknowledge and he's implying you have to like drill that down so deep that even subconsciously you do not acknowledge that you did anything wrong. Right. And that's how you are free. Not even just don't acknowledge it. Never believe you do anything wrong. Right. Just completely accept that everything you do, you did. Move on with your life. Don't hold on to anything. There's no lessons to be learned from the (laughs) 
I'm avoiding the word consequences. Yeah. There's nothing to be learned from the results of your actions. Right. You're perfect. Just let it go, man. We can be BFFs forever if you would just please let this go. Because <laughs> then we get a call in and the guy's like, I'm your killer. <laughs> Lacroix's only response. You're assassin. He's like, we are in a mood tonight. <laughs> <laughs> And then they CSI enhance the sound because they're like, I think there's something in the background. So they enhance it. And Nick in the most Canadian voice ever is like, it's a boy. A buoy. Buoy. Like floats on the water and makes say, a bell ring. I was like, noise. Matt, that means buoy. Like ding, 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 ding. You know, the buoy. And okay. So you said the second example of Nick using vampire powers was super hearing. Yeah. Well, uh, from the perspective that. In this shadow world, he is actually mortal. Yeah. The first case, we can we can kind of hand wave, say, uh, Cohen was playing along with him, yeah. hypnotizing her for answers. In this case, he would be better at recognizing the background noises because he was the caller. Right. So maybe he's filling in subconsciously. Right. Yeah. He recognizes sounds that he's very familiar with at right. his house or whatever. My only the thing is he's not wearing headphones. Everybody else is wearing headphones so they can hear this sound. That's he's a good not point. wearing headphones. He should not legitimately be able to hear this sound <laughs> because they're playing through the headphones. <laughs> and nobody questions it. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe that is a buoy. And so they rewind it. And she's like, enhance. Does the like. You know, zoom in, and then open up, and it's pixelated, and then suddenly it's Ran clear. it through an acoustic co-comparator, which is <laughs> blah blah blah, blah blah tech blah. jargon, blah blah blah. Yeah. And it says crowd noise. We're not there yet. We could come back to this. Yeah, again. I, yeah, I was yeah. jumping yeah. ahead, but because then um, Skanky's like, "Oh, by the way, internal investigations lady is here, and she wants to talk to you. Time to face the music, brother." Dee, dee, dee. He's like happy, like finally I'm gonna get rid of the crazy partner. Maybe I'll get a good partner. This yeah, maybe time. I'll get a good par- partner who will will like push each other up the chain instead of this guy, whatever the fuck this is. And he only makes me look good because he is so fucking bad at his job. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate him being here because he makes me look real good. I know. And the whole IA interview is actually really fascinating. First, it's the records lady. Um, we've seen her a couple of other times. So she's a recurring actress that they bring in to be the IA interview. And she is saying the quiet part out loud for Nick. She is really outlining um, kind of the theme of the entire show. Because she's like, I can tell underneath all of this, you're just terrified about being found out. And he's like, what? Found out about what? I mean, what, what, what would people find out? And she's like, that you are literally like a boiling cesspool of guilt. And you are terrified that people are going to find out that you are nothing but a bundle of raw nerves and guilt. And the only reason you're a cop is so you can pretend that you're the good guy. And and as a power move. Yeah. Like you enjoy you you enjoy the thrill yeah. of exercising authority over people. You're like, oh, 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 this is interesting. Some might say disturbing. May I? Knight does not work well with others. Is not a team player. Frequently operates counter to department regulations. Disregards orders. Is it just me, or does this sound like a police officer who should maybe be in another line of work? I wouldn't know. Knight has a cavalier attitude towards his own safety and the safety of others. That's not true. What'd you become a cop for, Knight? 
Couldn't have been for the discipline. Doesn't matter how I answer, you'll twist it somehow, so. Yes, we can add mistrust his fellow officers to the list. You are a loose cannon, aren't you? You know what I think? I think with you, it's a power thing. Guys like you, you could be cops, you could be hired killers. It doesn't matter, mentality's the same. Every time you flash your badge, every time you pull your gun, it's a kick, isn't it? Is Nick a monster who uses the mask of a cop to feel less monstrous? And I, I like she says, um, you could guys like you, you could be a cop or a hitman. Yeah. The mortality is the same. Yeah. Mortality or morality? Morality. Morality. Yeah, the morality yeah. is the same. You get to kill people. You're here to get off. You're here to get off on yeah. being able to control people. And this is a scenario where you feel confident in using your power to control people and you get to have like a positive social yeah uh, you get social permission to do the fuck what you want you want to do the you're going to do what you want to do no matter what whether you're a hitman or you're a cop but if you get to say you're a cop you get social permission now you're the good guy too to pretend you're the good guy too this is a lot this is a lot to unpack we could go as far as you wanted to go with this in terms of like real life cops. This mm-hmm. is not something. I mean, we're using this to be like, oh, he's a vampire. He has all these desires to control people to like hunt. Oh, what is an investigation but a hunt? What right. is like an arrest? His, but His dark unconscious urges. Yeah. What is an arrest but taking away someone's life? What What is all of this but a way for him to satisfy an innate desire that is monstrous, but in a way that allows him to frame it as him being a good guy? Well, certainly there are real-life cops who use the social permission of being a cop to do what they want anyway. Otherwise, at least in the United States, we wouldn't have situations like George Floyd or some of the other ones where... You know, people are just going about their daily lives. Maybe you're maybe you're a raging racist who wants to be able to beat up people that you think are different than you. And you can't do that in real life, but you can if you have a badge. So this is a really interesting interview. There is a lot to think about in what she's saying, which is, again, interesting for us to tackle in the 90s when we are not that far removed from the race riots in L.A. Right. In fact, we just had an episode where they sent somebody to L.A. to, quote, rebuild. Yeah, they need help rebuilding. Yeah. So this is a really interesting commentary. Multi-layered commentary. As layered as you want it to be. You can make it just about Nick if you want to. Which is, you know, what I love most about this show. the metaphor is apt. But the metaphor is apt, yeah. So moving on from this very deep, Whatever, but it it unsettles Nick because he's like, oh, shit, somebody sees me and you're making me see me like, don't be a mirror. I I don't like that. Don't hold up a mirror. I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Like, (laughs) stop talking to me like this. I am the good guy. Okay, I am the good guy. And it's so disturbing that we whoop into another like LaCroix Wonderland thing. And LaCroix like, is your Wonderland getting curiouser and curiouser? And this is when he's like, yes, I'm talking to you, Nicholas. Haven't you figured that out yet? I'm talking to you, which implies that he's actually seeing these vignettes. 
whether he's seeing them in his like mind's eye or whatever. Right. And then he goes to Natalie's because he's really upset. <laughs> like a lot is he, happening. He needs to touch grass. He needs to touch grass. And Natalie is his grass. And he tried to talk to her at the precinct and he got dismissed. And so he's going to go to her house because, as we know, breaking into her house to talk to her is one of his like cathartic things that he does. <laughs> And so he goes to her house, he knocks on the door, and she answers the door in this very fancy dress. Once again, somebody gets to be very fancy. Yeah, she gets to be very... I feel like every female character got to, like, turn it out, except Jeanette. Because <laughs> Jeanette normally gets to turn it out. And yeah. they were like, sorry, Jeanette, but we're going to have to dial you down. You're going into full-on mom mode, which Deborah was actually in, like, a NyQuil commercial. And she's, like, the mom administering NyQuil to the kid whatever soccer out. mom soccer mom yeah. so we know she can do it i guess so they were just like okay Jeanette, i'm so sorry but we're gonna like death cloud gone fancy fancy velour dress gone you're gonna be in like mom mode for the rest of this episode but natalie gets to wear a fancy dress and put her hair up and she has long earrings on and she's like mm, i've been looking forward to this all week get in here <laughs> get this in. dress is not for public consumption <laughs> Pulls him in and he's like sitting on the couch and she comes over with some single malt whiskey and he's like, oh, you know, I can't. She's like, oh, come on. You're, you're not on duty. duty. And, he's like, and, <laughs> and your chief is. Yeah, your captain ordinary. commands you. Yes. And she's like, just a little something to loosen the screws. <laughs> she's like having so much fun. Catherine Disher is having so much fun in this moment. And she's like, your captain commands you. And then he tries to drink it and he chokes. And she's like, oh, no, poor Beepy. Did it go down the wrong way? <laughs> Don't you worry that pretty little head of yours about a thing. <clears throat> oh, poor boy, did it go down the wrong way? <laughs> Are you all right? And he's like, come on, Natalie, I can't, like, I'm not, what is, stop touching me. Like, this is so weird. And she's like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, you know grilling get, by IA could put anyone out of the mood. Yeah, that would kill the mood for me, too. And he's like, no, no, that's not it. Like, this is weird. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And he, she's like, oh, my God, it's happening again, isn't it? And he's like, what? What is happening again? And she's like, try to remember. Think about it. Try to remember. And he's like, I got nothing. I don't know what's going on. And she's like, you she's know like, what? you need to go find some help. Yeah. And he's like, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> she's like, if this is happening again, go get help. And then she does this thing where she tap taps his cheek. But then the last tap is really aggressive. So it's yeah. more of like a tap tap slap. Right. Because she's. She's upset that she didn't get anything. Yeah, this is out coitus interruptus. Is what yeah. this is. She was all. She was fancy, dressed up, and ready to go. Door opened. Foreplay was started. Yeah, she was <laughs> like, "This is our Tuesday appointment." And I he's need you like, to "Keep it together." Uh, I I can't. Uh, I have a headache. Yeah, <laughs> gotta go wash my hair. <laughs> and she's like, "Well, fuck you!" And so she's she kicks him out. Basically, she's yeah. like, "Well, then go go get help." So he goes back home. Again, we go home like four times because he keeps having to be like, okay, I am having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I think I just need to start my day over again. So he, I'm going to go has, home. He has a pattern. He's like, okay, when I'm really struggling, I go home. If that, that usually helps a little bit. And then I go see Natalie at the morgue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If that doesn't help or... Whatever, as, like as I yeah, as I'm improving my mental state, <laughs> then I go see Jeanette at the Raven. Yeah, and that that usually actually provides me some information. Yeah, and I'm in a good headspace for 
you know, asking pertinent questions. Yeah. And then I finally go find Skanky and, and provide him this information that I've. Right. He has his circuit. Yeah. And he's trying to restart his circuit. Like, okay, maybe if I start at the beginning again, it'll all make sense again. But every point, every waypoint on his circuit is twisted. Yeah. Less of a circuit, more of a downward spiral. Yes. Yeah. Because he goes back. <laughs> uh, there was a meme I saw where it was um, like your your circle. Um, what was it? Oh, like your your cycle of uh, like repeated actions or whatever is only a circle if you look at it from above. If you look <laughs> at it from the side, it's actually a downward spiral. <laughs> uh, very true for Nick in yeah. this episode. Yes, very accurate. Because he goes back home again. He's like, okay, all right, I'm going to sit in my chair. This is where all the problems started. So I'm just going to sit in my chair and I'm just going to have a minute and I'm going to get myself together. And when I come back, everything's going to be okay. I mean, this is weird. Objectively, this is odd, right? Because he got what he wanted. He is human. Vampires don't exist. He got his wish. He has a family. He has a family. He and Jeanette are both human. Yeah. They're together. He has again. a child, which we know he wants. He's with Natalie, which we theoretically think he wants. Lacroix is dead and gone and At, out by of his, his life. hand. Yeah. He's free. Skanky is empowered and like And he doesn't have to be the the macho guy of the cop team. Yeah. So from a certain point of view, this is every wish fulfilled. But it's it has unsettled him. Actually getting what he wants, it turns out, is not what he wants. Not like this. So maybe he doesn't actually want mortality at any cost. Hmm. Hmm. In fact, Lacroix confronts this at the end. He's like, what is the what is the thing you actually feel the most guilty about? Like, what is what is at the core of all of your issues? But Lacroix actually shows up on the TV. He's sitting in the chair and then like static shows yeah, they, up on the they TV. Do, they do a really good job with this. Yeah. Making it look like Lacroix follow, like watching Nick from the TV. Right. Because we just see his face again, kind of from the same extreme angle. And Lacroix like, I warned you, didn't I? That there would be consequences. And Nick is like, ugh. Even when you're dead and I'm human and I'm in this weird fantasy space, you still won't fucking leave me alone. And he like walks over and looks in the mirror, his mirror that's at the bottom of his steps. And he like looks away. And when he looks back, Lacroix is in the mirror. And Lacroix is like, let's break down the, the walrus and the carpenter, shall we? Because in the walrus and the carpenter... They eat their little friends. They eat the oysters. He goes, mmm, delicious. <laughs> and they and you know, the walrus slurps them all down and yeah. has no second thoughts about it. He's like, they were Full hungry. Full belly, great. Yeah, they were hungry, they ate. End of story. And he's like, I need you to figure this shit out because I don't like being dead. I'm dead in this world, and it's really annoying. And so he shouts at LaCroix. He's like, get out of my fucking head. And it wakes up the baby. We immediately hear the baby crying. And Jeanette shows up and she's wearing his thanking robe. She's wearing his, <laughs> like, his red and black robe. And she's like, what is wrong with you? You woke up the baby again. What are you yelling about? What are you yelling about? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> she's like, don't you walk out on me. And he's like, mm, I'm going to walk out on you right now. And he like turns around and 
leaves again. If I were Jeanette, I would not be there when he got back. Maybe she doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. I don't know. But this, we're not talking about how he's a bad boyfriend. But I just want to point that out again. He's a bad husband. He's not a great partner, as is. He needs. He's a fixer-upper. Let's put it that way. So he walks out because um, he's got to figure this out. He can't stand not knowing what's happening. Of course he can't. He's completely unsettled in his life. This is a horror experience for Nick. So he goes back. And of course, the sound lady is just there. Maybe she just lives in that room. I don't know. But this is when she says that she put it through a comparator and they think it's crowd noise. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what Skanky goes. Okay. So he lives near the lake and the Sky Dome in the warehouse district. Isn't that your thing? Um, That's like... a. What? That means that, like, living in one spot, you can hear every sound of, like, local things. So, you live near the lake, you can hear buoys. If you live near a stadium, there's always crowd noise? Was there something going on in the middle of the night when Nick called this in? I don't know. Maybe the Sky Dome is one of those things where there's always something going on. Like Madison Square Gardens or something. I don't think it's the Sky Dome anymore either. I think it's got a corporate name now. Probably. Yeah. But he hears something in the background. He's like, rewind it. Play it again. I think I hear something else. And this time what he hears is the baby crying. Huh. That's interesting. So he's like, okay, I got to. I, I, I got to. Okay, I did home. I came to the precinct. That didn't help. I'm going to go to the Raven again. Maybe this time it will be different. So he goes to the Raven to talk to Cohen. And this is when Cohen is like surrounded by hot men. And she's like, oh, hello, Nicholas. Because <laughs> she's in her super fancy velvet dress. Mm-hmm. And she says, you look as mad as a hatter. Huh. <laughs> more more the, Alice the, in Wonderland. That's a reference. <laughs> and then he's like, can you please tell me why everyone keeps saying last time? What happened last time? And so she tells him because he opened up to her when he was going through it last time. And he told her all about how he believed he was a vampire. And he told her all about drinking blood and what it was like drinking human blood, which was that strictly necessary? Probably not. But it's really like he confessed everything to her. He told her everything about what he believed he was. And she's like, it was fun for a little while. And then it got really weird. And you took it to a really weird place. And I like wasn't cool about it. So you got help. And he's like, I was pretending to be a vampire. And she's like, yeah, vampires don't exist. You were pretending to be a vampire. And he's like. Well, she's like, you you believed it. You believed you were a vampire, but vampires don't exist. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay. So he goes back to the precinct because uh, he can't go well, home. She, she says, if you need, if there's anything I can do to help, just call me. Because I know therapy is expensive. Is there anyone Nick is not fucking in his shadow's face? <laughs> <laughs> anyone? Yeah, the IA lady. He's not. Yeah. He's not lying, laying pipe with the with the uh, <laughs> IA lady. But apparently, everybody else is on the table, on the menu. One might say because she's like, anytime you need to come and relax, you just let me know. Therapy's expensive. I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we know he's confronting this weird, like, all of the things that he's actually anxious about. He's confronting in this space. So, what is that? 
is that him dealing with the fact that um, he's sexually attractive, but he can't actually be with any of these women. So maybe in his like shadow space, he is both attractive and promiscuous. Yeah, like he may feel attracted to people like Natalie. Yeah. And think, oh, yeah, that'd be fun to, you know, explore. Yeah. But he's like, nope. I got to squash that down because I can't do that because, you know, I'd kill Natalie. Right. So all these things that he's been squashing down, when you squash them down like that, they don't go away. They just like LaCroix explains, they fester. Yeah. And then they come back out later. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that in real life, he's only with Jeanette. He's like committed. They have a passionate relationship. And then in his mirror space or his shadow space, the only person he's not like <laughs> not having a physical not relationship having with. a passionate physical relationship with is Jeanette, who is also his wife and the mother of his child. He's well, like, because because he hasn't been suppressing that, he's yeah. actually been able to you know explore that and be that, and so he doesn't need to integrate it. He doesn't need to explore that in his shadow space. Maybe Nick only. Wants what he can't have. And that's a a pretty uh, deep criticism of like humanity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like human nature. Because look, he can have Jeanette, but he only has Jeanette in like a surface level. They can never be together on like a, we're together. We're going to grow old and die together. We've chosen to live the rest of our lives together. And we're going to have children and we're going to create immortality by creating this legacy of like being together. Like we are together. We have chosen to be together for the duration, the duration. And we have children together, which will ultimately be like the thing that we send out into the future. Right. Um, Kind of like in baby, baby, (laughs) they are our immortality (laughs) because how we treat each other will affect how they treat their loved ones will affect how they see themselves will affect how they move throughout the world. They are, you know, they are the stone we toss into the pond and then the ripples are, are how we treat them, how we allow them to become people, how we shepherd them and how we're remembered and how we're remembered so he has that with Jeanette. He has like, we have chosen to be together for the duration. We have created this life together that will be the thing we send out into the future. And I'm fucking unsettled by it and I don't like it. However, I can't have Cohen, but what if I could? And I can't have Natalie, but what if I could? Right. So maybe what he wants is only what he can't have. And that's part of what he's exploring in this shadow space. In Curiouser and Curiouser. Are you getting why I like this episode so much? Because there's so much you can... It's a thought-provoking episode. It's a thought-provoking episode for the characters and then for life and then for a metaphor for humanity in general. Right. It's a thought-provoking episode on lots of different levels. Yeah. So after all of that, after he's walked out on his wife, he's walked out on Natalie, he's gotten mocked by Skanky, life is all just falling apart when normally... Everything sort of turns up roses for Nick. Um, IA comes back and says uh, he's suspended without pay. 
Well, shit. Which is, of course, I mean, everything she, everything the IA lady told him is, I mean, this, all of this is in his head. Every piece of this is in his head. So the critique that she leveled on him is what he is telling himself. Yes. That he did it because he was reckless and because he gets a rush out of putting himself in danger and putting other people in danger and how he's really just a monster. And he's only ever not a monster because of the badge. And if he didn't have the badge, he would just be a monster. And I mean, all of that. And he doesn't deserve it. In his mind, none of what he has does he deserve. And it gets taken away at the slightest provocation, which is what happens. He gets suspended without pay. So then he has to go home to his and dear wife. And then he wife. goes home again. <laughs> Once again, we return to the apartment for what, like the 17th time, maybe? Something like that. He goes back and poor Jeanette has fallen asleep on the table. And there's like a crib or a bassinet. And did you notice the mobile is dodo birds? Yes. Yeah. Like from Wizard... Or Alice in Wonderland. Alice in, I was like, Wizard of Oz? Wait, that's not right. Alice in Wonderland. Um, it's really kind of sad because he wakes her up. She just had this whole big tirade about like, our lives are falling apart. You aren't trying to hold anything together. You're just letting it fall apart. And then he wakes her up to tell her, hey, I got suspended without pay. And she says, well, is your performance not satisfying the captain? Oh, womp, womp. And then she goes into her. This is what Nick wants Jeanette to say to him, which is you stopped dealing with what you had become. You used to be like full of life. You went on a really cool road trip with your bros one time. (laughs) (laughs) You used to be like you used to have a lust for life. You used to want to be human. You used to revel in everything that you were. And at a certain point, you just stopped trying to deal with any of it. And then you stopped even trying to deal with what you had become. And it is the guilt of losing that humanity, of losing that right. spark Your of Your delusion is driven by the suffering that you've experienced, the trauma that you've experienced. Right. Because you've lost your humanity and your spark for life and your vitality. Yeah. And you're losing me too. It's not the shootings that are driving you crazy, Nick. It's the guilt of losing your humanity. And she goes over and picks up the baby, which is not a baby, obviously, but she picks up this wad of blankets and then she pushes it against her chest, which is fine, but then she takes both hands (laughs) over where the head would be on the infant and like presses it into her chest and we hear the like, like gurgly baby sounds. Don't hold a baby like that. Don't grab a baby by the head and then just squish the baby head against your chest and just let the rest that, of the that baby That is improper dangle. carrying technique. This is not how you hold a baby. Just FYI, in case anybody was getting any kind of instruction from this this television show about that. Uh, don't do that. And then she walks away. She's like, I'm just going to go upstairs, whatever. I'm tired of waiting for you, basically. She's had a rough night. He showed up. He left. He showed up. She poured her heart out. He left. And every time he shows up, he wakes up the baby. Every time he shows up, he wakes up the baby. And he has increasingly desperate news. He has increasingly horrible news. Hey, uh, I was involved in a shooting. It might not go well. 
I don't know. I was just out. I called the precinct and they said you weren't there. I was just out. Okay. And she knows he's having an affair with the captain. So first he left and he came back and told her there was a shooting and he was involved and it might not end well. Then he left and apparently was with the captain sexually and then came back and then he left and came back and he's like hey i got suspended without pay so every time he leaves and comes back it's an an ever-increasing shit show for Jeanette. so she's like i'm hopping off the crazy well and the i'm back on my bullshit delusion thing yeah the i'm very much back on my bullshit i might believe i'm a vampire and not only is this all falling apart but i can't even hold my sanity together and i can't even provide any support or relief for you and our child yeah and she's like thanks this has been a real wild ride i think i'm hopping off now ding ding we have reached the station and she's like i'm going upstairs so she goes upstairs and um does he go and fight for her no he does not because in this Eh. moment he remembers hey wait a minute i think i hid something in the fireplace (laughs) Did I, did I hide something in the fireplace? And this is when he goes over. And we've had some more flashes with LaCroix, where LaCroix like, I want you to find my killer, Nicholas, so that I can bring him to justice. And Nick is like, uh, okay, whatever. Like, I'm on that case anyway. And so he goes over and he reaches in the fireplace, and it's the Vorpal Blade. It's the knife he used. The murder weapon. To stab LaCroix. And then we get, like, a flashback of, oh, my God. I'm the one who did it. I killed LaCroix again. I killed LaCroix <laughs> for the second time again. <laughs> and LaCroix is like, thank you, Nicholas. You have found my killer. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> now I shall have my vengeance. And he's like, oh, no, there's only one possible solution for this to leave the apartment again. <laughs> so he runs out of the apartment. <laughs> he runs out of the apartment and he's driving and he's not just driving. He's having like flashbacks because Entropy has caught up with him. Every The center does not hold. Things fall apart. He is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. This delusion is falling apart. He is falling apart. Everything is becoming increasingly chaotic. So he's having flashbacks of like the life, his normal life, of this life, of LaCroix, of just all kinds of stuff. All while LaCroix is like, are you happy, Nicholas? Hast thou slain the Jabberwock, my son? Are you free? Are you finally fucking free? Is this what you wanted? How's that guilt working out for you? Yeah, how's that working out for you? How's getting everything you ever wanted working out for you? Hmm. Uh, I don't know, because he shows up at the Raven, the only possible place he could go, obviously. After the house, yeah. Yeah. It's it's on the circuit. He's like, I gotta go to the Raven. If I go to the Raven, maybe this time it'll all work (laughs) out (laughs) for the fourth time this episode. So he goes to the Raven. And Matt and I got so distracted because I am 89 to 92% certain there's a naked lady painted on the wall. <laughs> we don't get to see the back of the bar very often because we're usually seeing like along the bar towards the door. Right. So there's this portrait of a woman. Yeah. And she's holding a raven. Yes. And she has naked boobies. Do we think those are naked boobies? It's either naked boobies with like painted designs on them and jewels, or it's supposed to be like a fabric that's the same, like skin color. With nipples on it? With design, maybe embroidery. (laughs) We paused it. We paused it and I got up and was like, 
I can't tell. Is she naked? I think there's like a gold something over her. I don't know. But on a CRT TV, she would look naked. There's not yeah. enough detail for you to tell that there's any kind of jewelry or anything. Right. There's they just a dark snuck spot. This in there. They snuck this yeah. naked woman in there is what they did because she's just on the back of the bar. And I was like, is that is that a naked lady painting? And Matt was like, oh, what? We've seen it like four times already. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. I am not as attuned to boop, boop, boobs <laughs> as you are. <laughs> My radar has been going off all like, episode. Oh my god, it's been oh, it's this is like the fifth time I've seen it. Um, but naked lady painting aside, Lacroix is like up on the bar, which I love. I love because we've been seeing him from top down. Now he's finally in an elevated position, and we have kind of an unhinged showdown here. And this is when Lacroix is like, "I told you this would happen. I told you it would fester, and that there would be consequences." And he's like, this is just like releasing a pressure valve. This isn't solving the problem. And when it happens again, it's going to come back and it's going to be even worse. You have got to deal with this. You have got to let this guilt go. He tells him, this is your guilt incarnate. Because when we become vampires, we lose the ability to deal with guilt. And so guilt literally becomes like a poison. It poisons us. We have to let it go. And Nick's like, uh-uh, Nick can do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And so LaCroix's like, fine, I'll do it for you. And then he beats him up. He like <laughs> he pushes him around and he gets the, I just want you to know this is hurting me way more than it's hurting you. And he yep. like backhands him. And he's like, think about it. Why do you think all your delusion is playing out like this? You are giving everyone the things that you want to give them, but you can't. And you feel guilty about not giving them. You are actually married to Jeanette. You are actually having a sexual relationship with Natalie. You are being bossed around by Skanky. And you are confessing everything to your captain. Everything that you want to do, you are acting out. That's right. shadow Everything work. that you want to do, but you've been suppressing. Yeah. You're now like act, living it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is his shadow work. He is exploring all of these untrodden paths that he has not processed. He is just pushed, pushed down. Squashed. Squashed. Yeah. And while he's beating him up, he's like, okay, well, what is your greatest guilt? What is the the rotten core of your guilt apple and it is your hatred of what you are and your hatred of the fact that you are still alive that's a lot to unpack nick's greatest source of conflict in his own life is that he hates himself and he hates that he's still alive he hates what he is he hates what he is and he hates that he's still alive as what he is and so he's like well then i solve it by killing you and so he stabs him through and then he pushes him through a window out into the sunlight. And then he wakes up and he's back in his apartment and he's been snoozing in his chair and there's a knocking at the... And the glass on the table next to him is once again blood. Yes. And so when he gets up, we are back to the beginning because Skanky is knocking on the elevator door. He opens it and Skanky's in his usual, like, I got it off the rack at Sears suit. suit. Yeah. yeah. His Sears suit, we'll call it. His his everyman suit, his skanky suit. And he goes, 
what's wrong with you? Like, you don't look okay. Are you all right? And he's like, it depends. Nick says, it depends. What's the captain's name? And Skanky's like, the fuck you mean? What's the captain's name? It's Cohen. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, then I'm perfectly fine. And he's like, great, because the IA decision came down. You have had your phone off for hours. Let's go down to the precinct so we can see what they said. So he takes him back to the precinct. And I like Cohen's little outfit here. This is very um, Red Queen because she's got a red suit jacket on. Yeah. And she still has necklaces. Like she still has the gold. Right. And she is the arbiter of justice. Again. Yeah. And she says, you know, I'll just get straight to the point. They think you acted in in concordance with guidelines and that you did nothing wrong and you're perfectly fine, just like we all already knew. And Skanky's like, see, man, I told you it was going to all be all right. So all of this stuff that he was beating himself up of uh, about all this brooding, this entire episode of what the fuck. His anticipation of what was going to happen was way worse. Yeah. Than what actually he happened. He was so anxious about it, he completely disassociated for like yeah. hours. And but as their turn around, Lewis, who plays the IA character in his like shadow fantasy, um, comes over and she's like, Oh, we've got a homicide at a radio station. <gasps> Bottom. <laughs> Bottom. And then we cut, cut to the outro. And that's the end of that. And I think that's my favorite episode because because we tackle so many fun questions that we have been taking for granted. Right. We articulate for a long time. so much of his psyche. Yeah. And we get um we get to see all of these actors just having a great time yeah. playing different versions of their characters. Right. Or playing different characters entirely. And we get to talk a lot about like what is the cost of what Nick is trying to do? Why is Nick the only one like this? Why are there not more vampires trying to be human? What does it actually cost him to fight like this? Which we don't talk about very often, if we talk about it at all. And, you know, we cover when he's talking to the IA officer in his shadow fantasy, when he's talking about, like, Nick sees himself as a monster. He, we, we know he thinks of that part of himself that wants to do terrible things to people as the vampire. That's why in the fix, he's like, it's gone. The vampire is gone. And the way that he justifies his existence to himself is by the things that he does. And he likes being a cop because it provides an external, very objective framework for I am doing good things. Right. I am solving cases. I am putting people behind bars. So when he has periods of time where he's not solving cases, where he's not feeling successful at being a cop, he kind of falls apart. That happened in last act, too, where he was really up against it. He couldn't move through any of his cases. They were all backed up. And what did he do? He had an entire episode where he was crying out for help to literally everyone and saying, I need help. I think I'm suicidal. And no one was listening to him. And that happens again in this episode where he was literally like, he came to Jeanette because he's had a really hard week. He has unsolved cases. He has three homicides that he's working on right now. He's not making progress as a cop. 
And as soon as like one more thing, the last straw gets put on the pile, he falls apart. He falls apart so strongly, he disassociates into an entirely other world. And it's in a fairly inconsistent show. It's interesting that we keep that consistency. Right. Yeah, probably the same writers. Maybe. Or they didn't realize it. (laughs) They'd already done that theme before. (laughs) They were like, well, this worked in last act. Do you think we can do that again? Hey, man, nobody remembers last act. That was like three years ago. Who gives a shit? Let's just recycle that plot. We'll just take that, have it make a baby with Dark Knight, and then we'll add some quotes from Alice in Wonderland and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. That's a fucking great plot right there. (laughs) We can get that done in two hours and just... Slack off the Somebody rest of the get week. Mr. Bennett in his tiny coffee cup. Somebody, for, <laughs> somebody go get it from his dressing room. <laughs> they just pulled him in off the street and he looked like that. Gave him a tiny coffee cup yeah. and they filmed him. Could be. Yeah, How did you feel about one. this episode? I liked it. Yeah. It's entertaining. Yeah. 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 I think it was good. It was quotable. It's funny. But also, you know, makes and you think. All the symbolism. Yeah. I think I like an episode that makes you think. And this one made you think. Does fire inside make you think? Nah, not even a little bit. But this one does. This one does. Yeah. It's interesting because this is one of the few of the last group of episodes that we've watched that isn't trying to tackle any kind of a social theme. Except it's just, would Nick make a good, like, long-term partner? I don't know. I think Nick might be a fuckboy. Yeah. I kind of think he might be a fuckboy who doesn't know how to settle down. Himbo problems. Yeah. Himbo. But I think fuckboy is like the negative version of himbo. Himbos are just like, you know, muscular, attractive. Golden retriever. Like a golden retriever boyfriend might be a himbo. But a fuckboy is like, I'm aware of my sexual attractiveness. I use it to attract women. Gotcha. I don't necessarily abuse them. But we we move on. I'm not here for an emotional connection. Yeah. I'm here for a physical connection, and then I move on. And not necessarily in like a a negative way, but like you don't marry a fuckboy. Um, unless you're Jeanette, and then you do apparently, and then he leaves the house every hour and a half. Like she could probably set a timer <laughs> when he walks in. Oh, he's gonna storm out of the house again. Well, in their actual history, they were together. Yeah, and. Maybe that's why Jeanette left him. I don't know. It's really, it's interesting. I mean, I can see her point. I would hate raising a child in that house too. Yeah. It's a bachelor pad. It their, really is. Their only car is like a 1960s convertible, <laughs> which definitely does not have safety glass or airbags. And she's got to try to put a car seat in the back seat. The refrigerator is small and built into the wall. The kitchen is minuscule. There's one room. It's echoey. Yeah, that would be terrible. Like people come in and out the the skylight every hour or two hours. <laughs> Instead of using the doorway. Instead of using the door. I don't know. I don't know. I feel I think I don't know. Maybe my most compassion goes out to Jeanette because like this is what he sees. Like this is what he wants for her. This is the Right. This is what he imagines their life, life together would be, would like. be like. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. <laughs> like, if I got married and had a child with Jeanette, she'd just nag me all the time. Ugh, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, poor Jeanette. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
an interesting, interesting thing to think about. And of course, we're never, never going to address this like ever again. Gotcha. You're welcome. In fact, I think we move on immediately. Uh, I think he's going to do some questionable shit in the next episode. So no lessons learned. We're back to vampire shenanigans. Gotcha. Yeah. No lessons learned. Hell no. No. Are you kidding me? Can't learn our lesson. Where would we be? Zero plot. I wish we would give Skanky back the three-piece suit, though. He pulled it off pretty well. Did we need to take that away? How come Nick gets all the vests? That's not fair. We need an equal vest vest distribution system. Natalie got a vest. Nick gets vests every week. Skanky finally got a vest, and it was only because he was evil. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't have anything more to add, I guess we can leave it there. All right. We're moving on to episode 20. Ah, we're finally in season two, episode 20s, which means we have fewer than 10 episodes left of season two. Six episodes left. Yeah. Fewer than 10. Let's see. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. Seven episodes. Seven episodes left of season two. And then we will be in the final season. The final broadcast season. Yes, unless we decide to do the fan-made fourth season, (laughs) which you want to do as graphic audio. (laughs) Hey, that's a good point. If you would like to see a graphic audio of season four, um, we're going to need a lot of incentive because I'm going to have to contact people to make sure that's okay. I'm going to have to hire uh, actors or figure out how to do more than one voice. So why don't you hop on over to our Patreon? (laughs) We have a Patreon page. I don't talk about this shit anymore, but we have an Instagram and we have a Patreon, both of which are Strange and Beautiful Network. I do make announcements on there. This episode wasn't delayed, but our other podcast episodes were delayed this week because I had some personal stuff going on. So I made an announcement over there. So you would have known that was coming if you followed me on Instagram. So us followed us. It's nominally it's us, but it's me. It's really just it's, me. It's, it's the royal we. It's the royal we. So if you follow we on instagram or hop over to patreon we have a dollar tier we have a five dollar tier which gets you into the discord where we have a lot of fun there's like four of us in discord so um, (laughs) matt and i are in there most of the time so if you want to talk to us directly that's a good place to go um yeah i think that's a pretty good place to leave it we have a merch store too so if you go to strangeandbeautiful.club there's a link to the merch there's a link to the patreon there's a link to our other podcasts all kinds of stuff So I guess until next time, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye. I can't. I'm on duty. So at least walk me to the coffee machine? What's this, Lewis? This just came in. It's a homicide at a radio station. <laughs>